Gentlemen, welcome to Cartridge Club. The first rule of Cartridge Club is talk about Cartridge Club. The second rule of Cartridge Club is you talk about Cartridge Club. Third rule of Cartridge Club. Someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out. The cartridge is over. Hello gamers and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cartridge Club. If you're new to the club, I'll quickly explain what we are. The Cartridge Club is a community of content creators and gamers of all generations. I'm Sean, or Player One, and along with my brother Mark, or Player Two, we host a monthly book club for gamers. We pick a game and invite everyone in the club to play along, and then select guests to come on this show and discuss the game everyone played. Without further ado, let's meet our panel this month. Hello everyone, it's Rocket Sauce here, and thank you for joining me on the 100th episode of the Cartridge Club. This episode will be talking about Final Fantasy VII, both OG and the remake. On the show, we have the founding fathers of the Cartridge Club, Sean and Mark, a.k.a. P1 and P2, and probably the biggest reason the Cartridge Club is still going after 100 episodes, Dean, a.k.a. Round 2 Gaming. If you've played along, you can always share your own experiences in the forums at cartridgeclub.org, in our community's Discord, or across social media by using the hashtag Cartridge Club. Before I start the show, on behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I'd like to give a huge shout out to our Patreon Club backers like Joel Boyce, Barry Mars, Christopher Rohr, Dean Lasagna, and Caleb J. Ross. To our backers and Patreon supporters, thank you. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter for the Cartridge Club, please look into how you can do that at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. So, Sean, what are your overall thoughts on Final Fantasy VII? I love it. It's Final Fantasy VII, man. Uh, it's a great game. It uh, revolutionized uh, JRPGs. It was the first game we owned for PlayStation. 
and the game was so good that fans clamored for a remake for decades until they finally got one, and then in rare form, were not disappointed. Yeah, my overall thoughts are this is a fantastic must-play for anybody who's a fan of the generation or the, the genre. Okay, Final Fantasy VII. Um, okay, yeah, I remember this changing what I thought about video games. It changed the group of friends I hung out with growing up. I remember being enthralled by the commercials, just sitting in tears in my eyes, staring at what I'm looking at. I remember the the day we got it on, or we got it on Christmas, and our parents surprised us with it. And once again, more tears, and then uh, just the journey after that was just unreal. Um, I loved everything about it. I loved the materia system. I love the cinematics. I love really just the storyline. Um, I love how it was all sort of wrapped in a mystery the whole time. Uh, anyway, everything I love about it, like Sean said, it changed everything. It made RPGs become mainstream. And then we got a remake, which isn't finished yet, which breaks my heart, but I'm looking forward to playing it when it's done. And yeah, that's just my overall thoughts. I would recommend this to anyone on any platform. Doesn't matter what you play it on. Just, uh, just play it. Was this the deciding reason you wanted a PS One, or yeah. it was hundred percent? Yeah, absolutely. What was there before this? I mean, Resident Evil, but we didn't really even know that existed. I didn't um, even know that came out before this. That's you're right. This was the first one. We played Resident Evil Two first. That's right. Yeah, we, we, went, yeah. we went back and got the games that came out before Final Fantasy Seven. You yeah, don't want like Road a... Rash or Croc or anything? Or... Oh, no. yeah, no. I thought you said like good games. I wasn't, I didn't yeah. think you were referring to trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was it. We, uh, I mean, we were huge fans. Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, yeah. obviously, probably my favorite game. One of the biggest games that was an influencer for us. We loved the series. Yep. Um, Final Fantasy 3 was incredible. It blew us away. And then just seeing the commercials for this, it was like, these, the game came to life, right? I mean, you look back now and they, they look sort of like potatoes, but <laughs> at the time it was like, this is incredible. These these cutscenes are, are amazing. Absolutely. And this was the driving factor. And I, in all honesty, if Final Fantasy hadn't gone to PlayStation, I don't know that we would have ever gotten a PlayStation. We probably would have just stayed with Nintendo. Absolutely, we would have. And you know what? I, now that we're adults and we're looking back, I think it's really just the drama of Final Fantasy VII's that we love. It's mm. essentially like a really good soap opera because uh, all other RPGs just don't compare. I'm not a huge Dragon Quest guy, and it's really just because it doesn't have that gripping story. I think that uh, heart wrenching scenes, and it's just not the same. Yeah, there's uh, no moment when your your ex brother in law shows up <laughs> and you've been married to his wife for three years because you thought he had passed away, and it turns out he was just stuck in a reactor core in Nibelheim. <laughs> exactly, all that crazy stuff. That's what we loved. Yeah. Um, oh my God, you've been asleep in a coffin for 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is a soap opera. And uh, that's why all other RPGs just can't compare. It's, uh, yeah. it's fascinating. Well, you know, one more dumb follow-up question for you guys. Like, at the time, because, you know, now you're smart enough in this day and age with uh, with how games are, but, like, with Final Fantasy 2 slash 4, did you know about that back in the day? Did you know, like, oh, this is actually Final Fantasy IV? And, hmm. and then Final Fantasy III, oh, this is actually Final Fantasy VI. Did you know that back no. in the day? No, no I thought it was so... two and three. Yeah, when it seven wasn't came out, I was so confused. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. the follow-up then is, like, 
going from yeah. two, three, then seven. Like, did that throw you guys off? Like, well, or you probably didn't care because he saw the, the commercials. They're like, yeah, whatever. I know. Right. I thought I missed five games. Yeah, <laughs> or four games. I thought I was like, oh my god, what are they? What have I missed here? When they started showing seven, that's when we started looking into why, what, what happened here, and which is what led down that path. But until then, wouldn't have had a wouldn't have had a clue. I remember a buddy of mine, it was the first time I'd ever seen emulators and it was because he was playing a translated Final Fantasy V and blew me away. I was like, holy crap, why haven't I played this game? Um, turns out it was it was okay, that Final Fantasy V, but I see why they didn't bring it. Not quite good <laughs> enough for North America, right? I'm afraid yeah. not. I know there's a lot of people upset for me saying that right now, but because I still love it. It's still a great game. It's just not the, not the same. Not the same. Nah, job system games are butt. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, what are your overall thoughts on Final Fantasy VII? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it's a secret that uh, FF Seven is my favorite game of all time. It's been consistently uh, my favorite game for the past twenty-five years. I, I think when when people ask that question, there's there's a lot of amazing games I've played, but this sort of transcends the whole medium. Just any piece of media you can consume, whether it's book or TV show, movie game, this is my favorite example of something that has resonated with me so well mark you mentioned that it sort of influenced who you hung out with in, in school and that's exactly the case for me as well um you know my when i when i moved uh to to a new high school uh final fantasy 7 was the reason i found the friends group that i did uh and again when i moved back for for my 12th year um i mean it it influenced um beyond just my time in my room or the living room it was um, you know, a pretty influential game overall. Since the compilation has come out and, and all the additional media, the books, uh, the additional games, the movie, um, that's really only solidified my love for uh, the story it tries to tell or it does tell very well. And, and just the characters that are a part of it, it hits on a lot of really deep themes, uh, really, really heavy stuff that you don't see often in video games. And I think that sort of realism, despite the the fantasy setting really just gives it a genre of its own there's I, I can't recommend this enough like i feel like everybody needs to experience the story whether that's watching gameplay playing it yourself just reading an article it's just such a you know a mind melting um I, it, it's hard to explain like for the, for the past 25 years people have been digging deeper into the lore and peeling back layers and it's still going in the time we record this podcast uh, i'll have hundreds of different messages in the dozen final fantasy 7 discord groups i'm in about people finding new things whether they're pieces in the background or lines of dialogue that were hidden or pieces in the code or with remake you know different mods or things that have been been discovered what the developer's true intent was it's just been constantly going and this is what i imagine maybe the appeal of an mmorpg is where there's you know constantly new things to discover and new things to do that has been the case for me with final fantasy 7 the conversation has never died there's always been that group that has just been die hard to to talk about it and i'll take any chance i get to talk about it with anybody dean is it true that you've played the game 2487 times uh, that was an old count. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, my my original email handle Sephiroth. Uh, it 
yeah. It, it, it's I remembered that. the number, 2487. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I love this game. And I, I don't know if you want to get into the first first impression or first experiences with the game, uh, Ryan, but Go right ahead. The, the marketing campaign for this in North America was huge. Yeah. Right after the success of, of FF3, FF6, um, they, they brought this one over and they spent a lot of money making this uh, sort of one of the, the PS1 staples. And you had that. There was a series of three commercials that would regularly come on uh, YTV, which is a, a Canadian kids channel yeah, station. Right. You remember that, Mark? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they had like Hal Douglas, like the voice guy for like movie trailers doing these these trailers for a video game and you know the one in particular i remember it like it's so epic it's like uh, over 200 animators and programmers a multi-million dollar production over two years in the making and a cast of thousands they said it couldn't be done in a major motion picture they were right and it's Final Fantasy VII. Like, it was all about the cinematic experience, and that's something we hadn't seen before. We were just sort of stepping into this new 3D generation. And, um, yeah, I, I fell in love with that right away. Like, I vividly remember seeing that commercial for the first time. And uh, I hadn't had a PlayStation yet, so that's the reason I got a, a PS1. For the listeners, uh, if you follow the Cartridge Club on Twitter, uh, every three days, uh, usually post a new commercial from the game of the month from from all over the world. So from all different languages. And if you look back on the Final Fantasy VII month for uh, December, um, there's about 10 or 12 commercials that are posted from people got from all over the world. That uh, remake, Jap- the, the Japanese remake trailer. Oh, man, that, yeah. that got me. Well, it's I don't good. know if you want to call it a trailer. It was more like a... I don't know what you call it. It was awesome, though. Gets you in the feels. Yeah, it really does, yeah. So I even remember, you're right, Dean, I do remember North America did have a huge marketing campaign for it, and I clear as day remember seeing the commercials for it. Mm-hmm. And so much so that I remember like going to like a Sears, and they had a PlayStation 1 set up, and I think it always, always had like Crash Bandicoot in it or Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, and I remember seeing because like the cinematics did take me away. They blew my mind back in the day until I saw the gameplay, and I'm like, what? And as a hardcore like Nintendo 64 fan at the time, I was like, yeah, I don't. This isn't this isn't a real game. This is kind of thing. So uh, well, no, so I was kind of blew it off. And uh, but there's something always about the game that had like maybe it's maybe it's like a 90s ish thing for me where it's like 90s nostalgia for me where like. None of the other Final Fantasy games like did that for me, where like it had an interest of ever really playing it. Like seeing eight, I, I got a free demo for eight. Someone gave me a free demo for eight. Like I rented something or I bought a game to magazine and it came with Final Fantasy eight, and I played played it. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I, I was always kind of interested because you hear like the love people have for Final Fantasy seven. Something about the look of the game where I'm like, you know, there's got to be something to this here where. It's, it still stands out to me. And, you know, I guess a, one more follow-up question for you guys. Is there any other, like, Final Fantasy game that has, like, this many spin-offs or, like, movies or, like, love that goes into this, to this franchise? Is there any other ones or is it just seven? Uh, Fifteen gets pretty close with its multimedia approach. Um, they have some, some movies. They have a bunch of spin-off mobile games. Fifteen so far is the, the latest mainline entry. And then if you count the MMOs, 
FF11 and, and 14, they have a lot of expansions and different lore books and, and things that general MMOs come with. Like I said, I've always, I've bought in this game, I think four times. I think I've bought it. Uh, I bought it originally for, I found my original copy at a Goodwill about uh, seven years ago. I bought it on PS3 as like um, one of the PS1 classics for like five bucks. I've bought it on my Switch, which is the version I played this time because Sean told me all these wonderful features that come with the Switch version, which I think is the re-release of the Steam version. Yeah, so they're on this. I mean, if you buy Final Fantasy VII now on any of the eShops, you get those those features. So mm-hmm. Xbox, PS, whatever Four, number seven. it is. Four, um, seven, yeah. <laughs> Four I guess, five. Yeah. Um, yeah, Switch, yeah. So those features are there, and, and it is the Steam version. Mm-hmm. But they're just the quality of life, especially for somebody who doesn't really have time to spend 40 hours grinding or mm-hmm. park themselves in the corner on the first level and attacking a ghost in the corner with a button held down while they walk away to level up or is that castlevania that somebody did that on <laughs> castlevania but still, no. and it was it was dean <laughs> was that shout out to episode four <laughs> oh that's a while back yeah He's like, yeah, um, I just parked myself in the corner on this ghost, held down the attack button, and walked away. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, there's something about this game that always made me like, you know what, you have to play this game. You know, if you don't like JRPGs or turn-based RPGs, you have to play this game because there's some kind of magic to this game. Mm-hmm. And I remember even the greatest E3 of all time, the reveal of Remake and Shenmue 3, it was like, okay, you know, you really kind of do have to play this now. And um, seeing, for me, Remake being a more of an action-based game, I was like, yeah, this definitely seems like it's in my wheelhouse kind of thing where I really, really want to play a Remake. Yeah. Uh, and just just uh, uh, real quick, because we put out polls here for um, the Cartridge Club. We have one of them saying, how are you playing Final Fantasy VII this month? And the Switch, Xbox, PS4 version won with uh, 42.1% of the game. 31.6% said they were playing the remake version of the game. 15.8% said they were playing the original PS1 version. So we want to talk story. Dean, I'll let you take it from there. Also, Dean, I'd love to know. I've always associated the story of this game with Sakaguchi. Is he actually a part of the writing team on this? What he is was the original creator of the game. Uh, and he he gave the go ahead for a lot of things, but between uh, Nomura, Neora, Nojima, and um, and him, yeah, they they sort of fleshed out the story. Yeah, I, I've heard Nomura's name mentioned a lot lately, and I'm like, who? Like, who's this? And then I realized, oh, he's he's actually uh, he's been around, and uh, I, I've been giving all of his credit to Sakaguchi alone, I think so. Yeah, uh, and Katase, of course, uh, Yoshinori Katase is is yeah, he's a a big part of this. But the the remake is actually um, written from uh, Nojima Kazushige Nojima. Oh, interesting. Who is uh, a great mind? So, who are all these people? Is uh, someone like me who's a dunce to Final Fantasy? Who's a so who are these people and how yeah, important so they are to the franchise? The Final Fantasy series generally keeps a lot of the same teams going through the the mainline Final Fantasy games in terms of writing and scenario 
certainly music with Nobuo Ematsu. So a lot of those same minds are sort of behind the overall scenario writing, and then they bring in additional people to, to really develop it out. But it, it sort of juggles between four or five big names that, that take on uh, different entries in the mainline series. Well, speaking of story, Dean, do you want to lead us down that rabbit hole? This game is very, <laughs> it's, very, it's, it's, this game is very story. So it is the man to talk about it. And it's like, do you want Dean to go over what's in the game or the entire uh, environment around it? It's there's so many different. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, you, you have sort of the, the mainline story that you play through, you have all the history, you have all the compilation. I think I, I know there's a lot of people that maybe don't like the idea of, of mystery box storytelling. Or, or maybe just don't like, you know, when J.J. Abrams uses that. But this is a perfect example of a game that sort of drops you in the middle. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly looking in both directions, right? You're constantly looking forward, mm -hmm. and you're constantly asking yourselves questions about what happened, right? You're, you're in pursuit of Sephiroth, but you're also wondering what happened to Sephiroth, right? Mm -hmm. You're all for helping Barrett, you know, take down Shinra, but you're also wondering, you know, why does this guy have such a problem with Shinra? You know, you're 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 ready to fight alongside Tifa till the bitter end, but you're like, what what secrets is she holding back? Because throughout the game, she's clearly not telling you things. So you're constantly looking in both directions throughout every aspect of this game, and I think that's a really powerful way to tell a story if it's intriguing enough. And the idea that the more questions that get answered, the more questions there are. Right? It's just layer after layer after layer of uh, you know, peeling back more and more questions. And it gets really, really deep. When you talk about story icebergs, you know, where only 10 or 10% of the, the story is actually told directly to you. And the other 90% of the story has to be sort of uh, evaluated and dug out. You know, Final Fantasy VII is a perfect example of that. But I don't know, do, like, do you want me to go through like really quick what the story of the game is? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it, I think it's important to know what happened in the past. So, right, obviously in the beginning, there was the planet Gaia, right, is a living entity with a will. It wants to see things play out a certain way. And within Gaia, there's the life stream, right? And the life stream is essentially millions of strands of memories and knowledge of everything that has ever lived and died. Okay, so when something dies, all of its memories, all of its knowledge go back into the life stream, gets recycled in there, and spurts out into new life. And so goes the cycle. We've heard it before in different mythologies, different religions. That is essentially what the life stream is. Now, the first known inhabitants of the planet are called the Setra, or the ancients. They were exactly like humans, but they could tap into the powers of the life stream. And they could communicate with the planet and they had a mutual relationship. The Cetra could essentially go to any point in the planet and unlock the veins and allow the life stream to flow through and plants to flourish and wildlife to, to be born. And that's what they did. They were a nomadic people that traveled the planet to unlock the veins of, the, the, of Gaia to allow life to flourish with the end goal of reaching the promised land. Whether that was a place a state of being, a state of mind. We, we don't know exactly what the promised land is, but it was something they were in pursuit of, eternal happiness. So that's that's sort of the, the beginning of the beginning. 
right now somewhere along the way somebody raised their hand and was like look this all this walking sucks i'm just gonna sit down here and a couple other guys were like yeah us too <laughs> those people who settled down they began to lose contact oh. with the planet they began to lose the ability to unlock the veins and harness the power of the life stream they became what we know as humans over generations so humans are descendants of cetera that have lost their powers okay so the cycles continue the the cetera continue to unlock the veins of the planet but then something happened that wasn't planned a meteorite came from outer space and crash landed in the north pole the, the northern continent and caused a massive gash in the planet something that would take thousands of years to repair and everybody's like what the fuck just happened like that that was not part of the plan that's not something that belongs here what's going on so the planet's in pain all of the cetra flock up there to see what's happening riding on that meteor is an entity with a single instinct to destroy all life so that, that that's all it knows it has no rationale it just it just destroy all the life we'll call it genova because that's what it would eventually be become or be, be referred to as it had two pretty unique powers that i think are super important to the overall story of this game one it could shapeshift into anything right genova can cut off its tentacle and that tentacle could walk away as cloud right? It, it, any part of its body, its molecular structure could shapeshift into anything. It doesn't have a central brain anywhere. It, any part of it can do whatever it wants, okay? The second is a mimetic ability to be able to read the memories and the expectations and the mannerisms of anything it comes in contact with and adapt itself. And that's what it did. When the Cetra arrived there to heal the planet, the Genova said, I'm going to turn into a female Cetra, gain their trust, and then one by one, it spread a virus that wiped out the entire race. They, they, they lost their hearts. They, they went crazy. They turned into monsters. There was only a few remaining Cetra who were able to finally seal Genova away. And now we're in a situation where the Cetra are going to die off. The humans were hiding this whole time. And Genova is still around, but it's sealed beneath the earth. This is not what the planet wanted. So the planet said, I didn't know that could happen. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. So it used its power to create weapons. These big biological kaiju said, if something ever happens again, where the planet's in danger, these guys are going to wake up and they're going to, they're going to take out whatever's threatening me. And that's how sort of time stood still for, for 2000 years, right? Like the, the Cetra sort of died off the, the rise of man came you know industry we had the coal miners of, of coral you had the bonora apple productions in bonora you had a mithril mining uh going on and then there's small company shinra manufacturing works comes up who, who made weapons and they discovered a way to harness the life stream which they called mako into energy right that's essentially the crude oil of this world it, it fuel electricity whatever and uh, in comparison with the primitive energy sources that they had, it allowed them to become a superpower, overthrowing the Junon Republic, the pre-existing government. This company took over the world. All right, they started with reactors in, in Nibelheim, Coral Gungaga. They built Midgar, which is, you know, nine reactors, eight around, and then one in the middle. Like, the, they, they essentially own the world. 
right? And because of that, they created their own private army, the Shin Republic Security Forces. They had the Turks, which were, you know, the assassins, the kidnappers. They did all the dirty work for them. They had their Urban Development Division, the Advanced Arms Division. They had the uh, Space and Aeronautics Division led by, by Palmer. And most importantly, they had their science division. The best scientists in the world would all flock to Midgar to work for Shinra, the, the dominant employer of the world. Uh, and that's what they did. They, they were biologically engineering things. They were discovering all the, the secrets of, of these mysterious ancients who left tablets. And they got wind of something called the Promised Land, a land of abundant Mako, unlimited Mako, unlimited funds, unlimited money so that they could become even more powerful. So that's what they're searching for. They led an expedition, a guy named Professor Gast, to the north where they found Genova frozen or or in the rock, and they mistook it for a Cetra. They're like, oh, this is one of them ancient people. So they brought it back, and they said, we're going to make more ancients. So they drew a bunch of cells from this ancient, who wasn't an ancient, this is an alien, and they started injecting them in people, trying to recreate ancients so that they could lead them to the promised land so that they could make money. All the people were dying. This was, this was uh, Professor Gass. It was Professor Hojo. It was Lucrezia. Uh, it was, a, you know, the, the top scientists of Shinra. And then Hojo, who was more radical. We know him from the game. He's, he's sort of a crazy scientist. He has uh, very few morals. He uh, decides, well, what if I were to inject these cells directly into the embryo before the baby is born and allow it to grow in the womb with these cells and essentially have the cells of this ancient. Uh, that was Sephiroth, right? So Sephiroth was born uh, from the point of, of an embryo with, with Genova cells in him, and he became very, very powerful. And his genetics just worked really well with, with Genova's cells. He was patient zero. He was the, the impetus of uh, Project S, which, uh, which ultimately became soldier. Hojo realized that these cells allowed people uh, with the right uh, Mako treatment to become essentially super soldiers. So he would inject people, candidates who were strong enough with the Genova cells, give them some Mako treatment and create a, an elite group of uh, fighters uh, for Shinra known as soldier. And those soldiers were sent to war. Anybody who was resisting Shinra's power, example, Wutai, uh, Shinra would essentially trounce with, with their army and these soldiers would essentially help them. That's sort of where the story starts. So after the Wutai war, Wutai calls for a ceasefire. They're, they're no longer fighting. They can't keep fighting this, this mega corporation. And so we have the rise of Avalanche, which is a rebel group, actually a huge rebel group, Barrett's group of, you know, Biggs, Wedge and Jesse and Tifa are just a small splinter cell of that um, to destroy the reactors, to stop Shinra from sucking out all the, the lifeblood of the planet to, to try to, you know, this, this eco-terrorism stuff. And, and that's where you come in as Cloud. Now, later you find out that Cloud... this is where the game starts. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what's important about it, is that you're constantly looking back and learning these things. Right. That's that's the whole mystery box storytelling. So you start in the game uh, and then the game plays out where you 
you know, pretty pretty early on, President Shinra is killed, and you're in pursuit of Sephiroth, who was deemed dead five years ago. But you see him, you're chasing him, and ultimately you chase him to the northern crater, where you find out his his dastardly plans. But the big twist there is that you were never chasing them of your own free will, right? Cloud has Genova cells in him from events that happen in the game, and Genova. Essentially, any any cells that are around the world all flock back to Genova's head, which is right now in the northern crater. So Cloud was subconsciously being summoned to Sephiroth by Sephiroth's will to bring him the black materia. But throughout the game, you think you're pursuing Sephiroth. So it's it's kind of a mind fuck if you you know think about it too much, but it's a really, really well told story. And um yeah, I, I love it. So but I've been rambling too long. I think he did a great job. Also, so pretty much what you're saying is Sephiroth is what seems to be the big bad of the game, but really the big bad of the game is Genova, right? The whole time you're really just chasing. Every time you think you see Sephiroth, you're really seeing Genova, um, except for the flashbacks, I guess. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah. anytime you see Sephiroth before sort of the middle of disc two, uh, when you get to the northern crater. Right. Every instance of Sephiroth there is is just Genova or a part of Genova. Right. It, it's really one of those black cloaked figures, you know, the mm -hmm. the zombie people. Um, yeah, that's that's the reunion project that was Hojo's doing. Love it, love it. And the, the funny thing is, I remember first time going through this game, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know any of this stuff until well after I played it the first time. <laughs> and I don't think there's whether that's age or or even now like i don't think there's a way for you to latch on to exactly what's happening the first time you play this through absolutely absolutely right? you really get the most of it three four or five times in and like i said after 25 years i've played this game a lot and <laughs> daily i'm still like oh that's what that line means right right it's nice to have dean as a tutor too if you're playing this game uh like i said as oh, someone that. who is a Final fantasy jrpg noob here I was I was uh, I was kind of struggling my way through this, constantly having to go back to like a strategy guy to find where to go. And as soon as Dean started being my guide, we started cruising through this game here. So yeah, it's yeah. Uh, especially with like Dean explaining stuff to me. I'm like, I would be asking questions to the stream. I'm like, hey, is this gonna? Is there ever? Do they ever answer this kind of question? It's been rattling my head. He's like, it's coming up. I'm like, okay, you know, like you know, or that moment. It's kind of you pull like the Doctor Strange part where he's like, where he talks about with with Tony Stark. He's like, I'm, you know, I can't tell you, but like when that moment comes, you know, I'll give you the sign kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> Dean's been doing that for me, kind of uh, as I stream and he guides me through this game. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, honestly, I could just listen to Dean talk here for an hour and a half. So, <laughs> are there uh, any key moments? from this game that like stick out to you that you're like, I, I think Mark, I think there's one in particular for you. I know that you've asked for like remake that you would hope that they would be a, uh, a change to here in this game. Oh, right, um, right. Uh, yeah. How much are we getting into that? Out to you that are burned in your memory that you're like, well, oh. first of all, it's important to remember back in the day, uh, the first disc or so like the getting through Midgar, is a completely different Final Fantasy experience than we had experienced at all up to that point. I didn't know if there was going to be an open world part. I didn't know if it was going to, it was just, it felt so much different. And then all of a sudden, boom, the, the world opens up. 
that was huge. And now it seems like Final Fantasy just keeps that part. That's their core premise now is that first Midgar part is now the mainline games is just following that format. Um, but yeah, so that was huge. And then there's a very pivotal point in the game where uh, a character dies. I don't know how, uh, I guess we can get pretty much get spoilers. into this. I mean, this, the game is what, so many years old. It's not It's not like a like hidden thing anymore. It's like in commercials still for like yeah. you know PlayStation, what? PlayStation Good point. History. Is Are you a... talking about when Cloud dies? <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about when Cloud dies. Oh. Um, but Dean had sent that commercial, that Japanese commercial. Anyway, they were talking, even in that commercial, are we going to have a way to save Eris? First of all, is it Eris or Aerith to you guys? I should have asked. I still call her Eris. I, uh, it's in my blood now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, okay, now, so, so, okay, that threw me off because I thought it was Aerith, but then it's written as Eris, right? In the, in the yeah. original too. Is, is it yeah. both yeah. ways or like what happened? No, it's just Eris. Yes. Anytime you think you've seen Aerith, that's a misprint. It's actually just Aerith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's actually, no, and there's nobody who can confirm or deny what actually happened there. Um, that's right. It's just, wait, it's just a mystery that will never be solved, I guess. Nobody would be able to offer any kind of information on what yeah. actually happened. Yeah. That's it. Dean? <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a translation issue, right? Uh, yeah. So in, in Japanese, Erisu. The, the last letter being SU because they don't have TH sound in, in Japanese. So they, they just assumed Aries, um, but it is Aerith in all the compilation and the remake and everything subsequent to Final Fantasy VII. So, but wh whatever you prefer. But yeah, so that's that's who dies. So <laughs> Sephiroth, or I shouldn't say Genova, ends up uh, killing Aeris. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard moment. Once again, more tears. A lot of tears with this game. I just realized. But it's probably uh, the biggest. It's probably the biggest Final Fantasy moment hmm. across the franchise. There's no Good other. Question. Good question. You know, I mean, you could maybe say the opera scene in three, or the or suicide, six, scene. or yeah. Uh, yeah, or even the intro there where they're walking through the snow. That's a pretty, pretty iconic yeah. moment. For fighting the the black, fighting the the, the black knight version of yourself, the a paladin. But none of these like. I don't know, um, killing the mist dragon and having it be in Rydia's mouth. You know what? There's just a lot of moments. <laughs> yeah, but nothing compared, like, I don't know, yeah. man, just the, the cinematic behind it, the emotional, because, yeah. I mean, who, who didn't spend all of that first disc leveling Aerith up? <laughs> Aerith up, like, that's what you did, man. Like, break, oh, yep. she's, she's my healer. I gotta fucking, my healer. I gotta level that's her up. That's it. I can't think of a more iconic moment in the Final Fantasy series, personally. And I wonder if it is because of that cinematic. Uh, I'm not sure. But, anyway, like we were saying, Will they change that? You cannot save Eris in the original. Will they change that for the remake? I don't no, know. I got a, I had a friend who told me that there's a cheat code you can put in. <laughs> that was the thing. Remember, you had to find like all those dolls or whatever, and we were like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you can save her if you find all the dolls." I'm like, "Okay, I'll find them," but nope, they, they lied to me. Yeah. yeah. Do you think if they change that for a remake? Do you think that affects the overall story, though? Do you think that like ruin would ruin like what the overall story would be? It completely changes the story. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. You can't have an alternate ending. It has to be either you just save her and they completely change the story, or you don't save her. Like, there's no. I don't she think there's needs a. To die. There's there's no way she she needs to die. Yeah, she she sadly does. Right, like it's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, uh, something you uh, you disagree. No, no, I, I don't disagree at all. I think she she absolutely has to die. I think once you finish remake, uh, which you you guys should, 
um, the ending will kind of set a couple different expectations of, of better, what the rest is going to be. Better set up a hot date with Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they have they, they can't just keep the trope that's been around for 25 years that everybody and their dog knows, right? It has to play out slightly differently. So I think they are going to... Cloud kills her. Yeah, give give you uh, yeah, that could I, be. like a feeling like maybe she can be saved, and then in the you know most gut punching type of way, change that you know on a dime. There, so, it's not going to play out the same way. She's not going to be praying right. at the water altar, and then you're looking up waiting for Severus to or Genova to drop down. Right? Yeah, there's, there's it's going to be something different where you feel like, oh, this has changed. She actually lives, and then suddenly, nope. She's she's dead. You could. Uh, I'm gonna get hurt again. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and, yeah. And they're gonna try to elicit the same emotions that they did in the first one. Well, that's that's terrible, and well, I can't wait. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Mark. Like, I don't know. Like, I know how far you are uh, on remake, but like, if if someone's been playing both, that impact for me with Aerith dying, what's called her, like her character, so much for me, like building her up so much in the original isn't as impactful and at first i'm like i see tifa and how she looks in remake i'm like tifa is the one i want to be with <laughs> um but what's called uh but now playing the more i'm playing remake and they keep developing you know forcing earth on me i'm like you know she's really starting to crawl on me now as a character where i'm like i'm starting to actually care about her right. they're doing a great job of building her up for me basically for said gut punch common remake basically so you see, everything you're saying is actually, when I started Remake, I was worried that they were going to, I never felt the connection between Tifa and Cloud that that, that people seem to feel. Um, I never had that, and I didn't, and then I thought in the Remake, they're going to change it. They're going to make it so that Tifa is the main focus now, and I, I was worried they would cheapen the relationship with Cloud and Eris, um, but I'm happy to hear it doesn't go that way, because I haven't made it that far in Remake yet, so mm -hmm. that's a relief. And like you said, at first they too, they, in it's, uh, I don't know what the proper wording is, breadcrumbing, I would say maybe, is the word. Maybe Foreshadowing. Well, it's just the, like I said, at first you're like, she's kind of just like the little annoying girl, not, you know, leaving you alone kind of thing. But like I said, eventually she starts growing on you more and more. So it's almost kind of like the, I see what you're doing here. I'm not falling <laughs> for it. And then it just keeps happening. I'm like, okay, no, 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 I like you kind of thing. But, uh, like I said, it's that's one of the reasons I think I'm really appreciating remake as I keep playing it. Is like I said, the the buildup of everything, maybe the smaller details of building it up that really sound like okay, well this this is cool, and maybe it's just cool playing them both both of them for the first time back to back and seeing what was and then additional stuff to go on top of it. Right, so that is a pretty cool, unique you know perspective that you're coming at it from, which is cool to have on this show too, especially. I should say it's also my first time playing it. I, I, I guess I mentioned this is my first time playing the game as opposed to all, right, right. all of you guys being veterans of Final Fantasy and in this game of, in general too. So, As somebody who isn't a massive fan of turn-based RPGs or RPGs in general, how have you been finding it? It's I'll, I'll, If I didn't if have Steam... The, if it wasn't so, the game of the month, would you still play or would you stop? I would keep playing. I would keep playing it because, um, like I said, it was a game that's always like on the backlog where... I, I always knew I had I was, it was going to get to me at some point in my life where I had to play this game. I, I don't hate it like uh, some other games I've played either. 
It's just, I would say the one thing remake has an advantage over, especially remake that I said, I'm still preferring remake over the original, but that's because I feel like the remake does a much better, uh, much better job of handholding for me and telling me what I need to do, where to go. The original doesn't do that. And if it wasn't for Dean helping me, like I said, like I would keep uh, using a guide, which I've been doing prior to uh, Dean helping me out here, but having Dean is that person say, this is where you want to go. And this is what you need to do kind of thing. Like I, I need someone who doesn't understand like the system of how it works, like the limit system or leveling up um, or let's call it like the Mako system with Materia, like having Dean there. And like I said, the remake does do like some explanation, like, Hey, this is what you kind of want to do. I need that because I'm such a noob to this to the game. Basically, a lot of it would have went sure. over my head and passed me. I would be getting destroyed and owned basically if I wasn't. I mean, having... You weren't able to discern the four and a half decades of backstory from the <laughs> opening cinematic. <laughs> the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until I learn how this is how you play this kind of game. Right. Just wait um, for them to remake it in the Octopath Traveler engine, and you'll be good. There you go. I just I just need some guidance as opposed to just. Uh, assuming it's something like you've played hundreds of times before and this makes sense kind of thing. Yeah. So. There's nothing wrong with guides, man. I used a, so I, I didn't when we first played it, but I used a guide. I recently played through this. I think it was 2019. I played through seven um, on the Switch and I used a guide the whole time and I loved it because I felt like you get a little bit more out of it. You don't miss anything and you're not, you know, I, it streamlines it for me. You're not wasting any time hunting and looking, right? I'm 40 years old. Actually, I'm 41 now, but you don't have, I don't have time to be derping around looking for hidden secrets and dolls and <laughs> yeah i gotta tell you like like i was saying earlier i'm a, I'm a little bit ways into the remake but it really makes you feel the weight of the uh, terrorist terrorist acts that you're performing mm -hmm. which stood out in the original but boy does it hit you a lot harder in uh in the remake which makes me excited for the rest of the game because it really yep. does like you were saying flesh out every little story beat more my only fear is that it's going to take forever for for the entire game to come out is there a possibility the next one that releases is the rest of the game or are we thinking this is three is it trilogy. Already it's gonna be a trilogy i mean yeah. you can even see there is the game the original game itself lends itself to three distinct different uh games well, like you have you have midgar and then that is a game contained in itself you can see that point when you leave there where the, right. you get to the open world and it starts and then when cloud dies it's like another <laughs> game um <laughs> Yeah, that's it's a up. completely different game, right? Yeah. Or when he's on, he, he when he's out of commission, and you got to play as the rest of the assholes, right? But that's <laughs> it. I've always considered it a two-part game. There's the first part, and yeah. the second part, and then there's the the crater, like the end. Yeah, so they're going so, to be. It'll be three games for sure. It's breaking my heart, like I, I, I yeah. And I actually heard they're going to make the crater game a fighting game, and you're going to have to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a question for uh, for Dean. At the end of remake, uh, do your characters continue on to the next part, or are you starting over again in part two? Like, are you going to be? Uh, no, nine? so yeah, there's there's going to be some sort of a bag of spilling trope. There's no save carryover that we we expect. Uh, okay. Now, there was a, an early level cap in uh, remake, um, so I don't know what they're going to do. They may like stock you up with a couple familiar materia, but I don't know. I imagine. How they're going to treat that is with Yuffie meeting up with the team, stealing uh, all their materia, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're starting from scratch. See, that breaks my heart. You pull a death here, like in Symphony of the Night, and just take everything from you. Right. That's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. And 
that sucks. That sucks. I want it to be one complete game where I'm, I'm leveling up. I've got my level. And now I'm going to be leveling it up two, three times now, you guys yeah. are thinking. It's just yeah, a massive, it's mass effect, right? You can yeah. start the new mass effect. And like, oh, you're dead. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> but again, if you guys finish remake, you'll you'll have a different perspective. And I just looked it up. I was going to buy it for my PC. It's like the only spot to get it is the Epic Game Store, and it's a hundred bucks. What? So, Canada. That's a hard pass. Canada. Oh yeah. right, that's true. That's like twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, in the U.S., it's just one one vaccine mask, isn't it? That's all you got to give. It's yeah. the equivalent. <laughs> Under Canadian is one three-layer mask. I mean, I paid I paid like $18 for it for the PS4, and I got the free PS5 upgrade uh, nice. Black Friday last year. So yeah, but 18 year. US is roughly a mortgage payment up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'll say for talking about like gameplay that I think what it really stands out to me with Remake that I think is really resonating home with me is I feel like this game... Uh, you're gonna laugh about it. It's a lot of like Shenmue, where all the women are in love with Cloud. <laughs> There's lots of um, a lot of places where you can just like go and explore in the city, where it's almost like I'm walking in almost every single door here. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of it that I'm just remembering that I'm like, boy, this kind of uh, reminds me a lot of like Shenmue. Not so much like the karate parts walking up. I don't know. Maybe some of the side missions, even maybe they're like yeah. things you don't have to do but you can do. Um, it's weird because I don't remember Final Fantasy being really boring and unfun. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I have a power to edit this, so I'm gonna make you know. I'm gonna make you say this. <laughs> um, I'm not saying the whole game is, but there's definitely a lot of like where I'm saying I'm playing. I'm like, boy, this kind of reminds me of of that. Uh, I, I guess I I have to finish it to see how Dean carries over because I I think you could carry. It would be interesting if you could carry over like. Of your cloud save would carry over, or they just pull a Mass Effect two, and they just give you like the comic book choice option where it's like you chose this, and this is where you. Right, I mean, yeah. I'm guessing. Like, I don't actually. I shouldn't say that. I don't know what will be uh, if decisions even impact anything going forward. I like I said, I haven't finished the, uh, the remake, but oh man, there's so many things I want to see. I want to see when they go back. Where's uh, where's Barrett from, Dean? Where Dine is and. What is the name of that? Coral. Um, Coral. I want to see that scene play out. I want to see his memory. Like, I, uh, there's so many things that I can't wait to see in that format, but I just feel like I'm going to be waiting forever. And it's mm-hmm. killing me. It's killing me. Mark, what, what are your thoughts on the turn base versus the action gameplay? Um, you know what? I, I was really against switching to action, but after playing through 15, I actually didn't mind the action. And after playing Remake now, it's it hasn't been that bad. I think the way that they did it was what, done well. Uh, you can switch to the uh, turn base if you want. I don't like that they call it easy mode or whatever they call it, but <laughs> but it's there. Yeah, no, I, I I had nothing nothing against the. I still prefer the original, but it's only because of nostalgia. I'm sure of that. But I did not uh, dislike the remake action for sure. I feel like that's one of those Mandela effect things. I, I heard that a lot when Remake came out, that people are like, I miss the turn-based of the original Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII was never a turn-based game. If you go into a battle and you wait, you're going to die. Oh, right. For an ATB, you mean like an active Yeah, time. it's it's yeah. an active time battle system. Like, there, p- things are always moving. If you're moving through menus and you're, like, searching for a magic spell or uh, something to do, then, yes, the, there's no ATB if you have it on wait mode. 
Right. Um, but if you're just sitting there on the sort of fight, magic, run, change, defend, uh, things are constantly moving. And I think Remake did a really good job trying to incorporate that, like you said, in, in easy mode. Um, but even even in normal mode, you know, the slowdown and everything that happens. True. But w when you hear people say, I just want to be able to sit there and wait, and that that, that was never a thing in Final Fantasy VII. You, you will die. True. You know, one thing I guess I like about the, uh, I guess I'd say turn-based version better than the action base is the summons. And the fact that, like, I, yeah. I just want to summon it and I'll continue, like, in the action base. Do your thing. Do your thing. As opposed yeah. to a few, um, you have to keep looking to give him something to do. Otherwise, it's, it's just going to stand there until it very runs out, runs out the very end and do, like, one more massive attack kind of mm -hmm. thing. But other than that, like I guess I kind of like the hack and slash feel of the uh, the remake. I keep forgetting because I, I just keep doing that, and then I remember I'm like, oh, you know, this is probably really important. Where I should probably switch to Aerith and uh, shoot the magic part right here from a distance. And it usually happens if I get whooped by something here, and I completely forget why. Why am I getting whooped here when I'm doing this one thing? Well, it's because at this point I should be switching to the other person so they can unload on them while while this thing's happening. Dean, as someone who's played both, what do you prefer, the action or turn base? I think remake. I was I was hesitant for like an action based battle system, like pure action base. I think remake has an amazing combat system. Aerial combat sucks until the Yuffie DLC, the the inter, uh, the intermission stuff. And I'm really excited to play as Red Thirteen, as Sid, uh, just jumping around and and going nuts as a dragoon and a dog. Like I cannot wait to to play as those characters. It's cool that they made Sid the Dragoon. <laughs> yeah, right? jacket. So good. Oh, just leaping around, like getting some... Because realistically, um, Barrett's fun for combat, but, you know, him being sort of the only aerial fighter, um, it's it's not really that great. There's not a lot of verticality in the combat, I find. You know, and Cloud really is, is not great when it comes to aerial fighting. So I think my favorite in Remake is Tifa. To, to play as because once you get a really good hang of her, you can do uh -huh. some some pretty amazing things. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Part of, I think part my of favorite person, board, right? my favorite character to have a constant uh, three quarters view from the back of. Is... Oh my! Photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Sean, I, I take it you'll be played on easy mode when you get a whole remake, right? Damn right, yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing all that bullshit. <laughs> Turn base. Let's hit it. <laughs> Just like the original. Somebody mute Dean. <laughs> I want I turn base is the wrong term. I want menu select. I want to just select from a menu. I don't want to have to if yeah, I don't want to have to deal with it. I, I yeah. So who are your like parties of choice in um the original FF seven? Like do you guys have a go to set of three? Uh, I did. Let's see. My party of choice was. I like Tifa. I think I was Cloud Tifa Sid. I think was the one I went with. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's what it was. Cloud Tifa Sid. Nice. No. Yeah, they For got uh, good limits. Like Sid's Sid's last limit high wind is is awesome, and if you can get the roulette wheels on uh, on Tifas. Like oh, Tifa's no, you know stack. Sorry, right? I lied. Yeah, it looks like I was going Cloud Vincent Tifa. Okay. And that that would have been just purely thematics because I think Vincent's cool as fuck. Yep. Because he's a vampire, right? 
spent 30 years in a coffin, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, good choice. Mine's very similar, but it's usually um, it's either, usually either Cloud, uh, Vincent, and Sid, or Cloud, Vincent, and Red 13. That was always my uh, my two groups. Nice. Although, honestly, it should have just been Cloud and Aeris and then whoever. But, uh, <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> For for some reason, I feel comfortable. I mean, I feel like a state of comfort when Dean's like, "Yeah, you can go with Barrett and uh, Tifa here with Cloud." So I guess I'll say that is my thing because I'm always like, "Okay, good," because I I feel like I've played with them the most, and I feel uh, comfortable. But I do like when I can have Red Thirteen in my uh, in my group. So, Morpheus from the um, uh, Winter Ion crew, he says that uh, the party doesn't matter, but the best potential party is Cloud, Sid, and Yuffie. Their limit breaks are good, and their final weapons are among the easiest to get consistent high damage on. Huh. Um, so that's the group he recommends. I never even consider Yuffie. That's uh, me. I don't know if yeah. I've ever even had her. I, I always got her just to do it, but I don't think I ever use her unless. Huh. Interesting. And then he says, uh, he even goes, he goes on, he actually wrote like four tweets explaining this to me. And he said, <laughs> the enemy skill gives you access to some incredibly powerful spells, especially for the point of the game. You get them. Learn beta from the Midgar Zolom. Don't need fire yeah, materia yeah. anymore. Learn white wind from Zemzalet. And you don't need cure materia anymore. Learn big guard from Edamantoys. Barrier materia is obsolete before you can even buy it. If you go that route, I recommend waiting until you get the manipulate material to make life easier. That way you can still go back and get a bunch at once. Some of them you have to wait, and beta still requires some creativity. Yeah, yeah. you got a poison. Oh, and then he says Big Guard, White Wind, and Aqualung are all big musts. Magic Breath is also crazy good. This guy, you should have had him on the show, Ryan. What <laughs> <did> you... <laughs> yeah, see, he, uh, he went off. I asked, uh, this was from 2019, I asked what people's go-to group was, and he educated me. Nice. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. The the enemy skill, I don't know if you've been using that, Ryan, but uh, essentially there's a the materia in the game you get right after Gold Saucer. and uh, Or sorry, manipulate materia right after Gold Saucer. And what Manipulate allows you to do is to take control of an enemy and choose from a list of skills just like you would one of your own characters. And you could use it on the enemy, you could use it on yourself. And if you have the enemy skill equ uh, material equipped, if they use certain attacks on you, you get those attacks. So from the big snake in the, the swamps there, they use beta. Um, there's the big like Venus flytrap monster. That's the Zemzelet that has white wind. And... Uh, the, the beach plugs and the adamantoids on the beach just outside the gold saucer, they have big guard, which casts um, like wall uh, haste on you on all your party. Um, so by the time you leave the gold saucer, you have like three of the best enemy skills in the game. There's also a, a griffin character or enemy in the, in the sand dunes there. They have aqualung, which is one of three water attacks in the game. So it's... Yeah, like if you're if you're using enemy skill, you can get some massive, massive uh, four-digit damage early, early on in the game. That uh, that big snake, uh, what a cool start to getting into the open world is having that giant snake, man. Like, yeah, oh, so good. So and you can actually off. outrun that snake too. You don't need a chocobo. Oh, it's really? Good. I've never yeah. done it on foot. Yeah, if you uh, yeah, you can change your camera, or uh, what you can do is. Yeah, I don't remember the second strat. But... Or speaking of betas, you can just beat them and not run away. Uh, just, am, uh... Yeah. Oh, you know what it is? Is you save. You you run, you save, uh, and then when you reload, you'll be a certain amount of pixels away from you. Um... And then you just keep running and saving through the... Cool, cool. 
That's actually really easy to do that on 3x mode, actually. To be, to be, I've done it a few times. Just just ran through it. He, oh, didn't really? up, he didn't catch up to me, yeah. I did it at least twice on 3x mode. Nice. Oh, cool. So what are your overall thoughts on the graphics for, for this game? I know, I know you mentioned something about a potato earlier, Sean. Um, yes, the, the graphics but, in the original, I mean, they, they still hold up decently. Um, the, the background graphics are incredible, obviously. They look the same um, as they did. They look how you remember them. And, and I don't even mind the in-fight graphics, like the character models in combat, because they look more proportional. They look better. It's really, I find, just the open world, the, the short, stubby, chibi graphics where, you know, the hands are just blocks. And those are the, the ones that I think... Uh, aged the the least good. If they could somehow just use the combat graphics as as the walking around graphics, I think it would would still hold up like really really well. But what can you do? The, the game's like a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> yeah. remake? Would you say? Uh, I haven't played remake. I mean, it looks like you're playing Advent Children, so it looks incredible. It's I mean, essentially Final Fantasy 15 graphics, and those are so realistic they're you know you can see their hair grow on their face it's incredible so yeah the, the remake looks really good I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it and i like because i mean cloud sort of like get the spiky hair in the game right and people make fun of him they call him the spiky headed guy but they actually made him look he still has spiky hair but he looks it looks like actual hair look it looks like you could maybe style your hair to do that if you were somebody who had hair yeah um you know i i will agree with you i i, I think the open world stuff is the only thing i was that I'm like, yeah, it just doesn't look the best, but I, I took in consideration when this game came out as well. Um, but playing it through the Switch, I, I think the cleanup option of the polygons the, the looking sharp actually looks pretty decent for what it is. I know I was doing that battle last night. Dean was kind of helping me settle up with the um, with uh, with Sid right there real quick, where I have to like keep setting up the defenders and the uh, and it almost yeah, looks like a polygon here. battle from uh, the original Smash Brothers. But uh, like I said, other than that, like I, I think it looks kind of sharp with the remake, at least, or not remake, the re-release for modern consoles. I think it looks kind of sharp, and like I said, I'm taking into consideration it's a game that came out from 1997. I wouldn't mind seeing more games kind of get that kind of treatment so much, where it's like, I mean, let's just let's just say an N64 game or something like that, where it gets. Yeah, um, you, you don't have wonder to how it. much that costs. Like, what was the cost in man hours and dollars for them to up res it or up? scale it to the point that they did because it looks great and I, I know they did the same with eight um and they did uh nine and 12 i think 12 probably required less being a ps2 game uh, and those all look good but yeah that'd be great if if you could take a, a large chunk of the n64's library and do that mm -hmm. i think you'd be really really impressed i agree 100 with that i think that'd be worth a re-release for your game as opposed to just dumping an emulator on on your store or something like that but for remake i mean it's stunning to me it's like i'm, I'm playing i'm playing the re-released on PS, uh, PS5 at the moment, and it is just... I know, like, I didn't play it on PS4 because I heard... Um, and I, I know it looked great from one of the demo I played on it, but, like, I heard, like, there was, like, background images when people just fade right in because it's, like, the loading feature. It's the power of the console and whatnot. But, like, seeing the extra power running on the PS5, it is absolutely stunning what this game looks like. It's a draw to keep playing the game, I would say, too, even with how beautiful the game is. It does feel like next gen to me playing it on the PS5, a next gen game where you get excited to play um, something they couldn't previously do on the previous console. So that's just my thought on the graphics. Dean, what about you? Um, so, in terms of the OG, I absolutely love 
just any PS1 game with pre-rendered backgrounds is is the way to go for me. I prefer that to polygonal modeling. The way they did this is Square, you know, they had the, the Onyx supercomputers. They fully 3D modeled out all of the areas in this game and then flattened the images to the pre-rendered backgrounds. So that's why when you see, like, you know, when you're in Cloud's Conscience and you go through that window into Tifa's room, it goes from CG right into the pre-rendered background sort of cube. That's that's how it works. When you see the, the escape from Shinra on the, the motorbike from Shinra HQ, you can map out exactly the route that that CG, uh, the CGI section, the, 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 the sequence takes when you're running around. So uh, I love that idea. There's constantly things we're finding um, with mods that are coming out to up-res the backgrounds. They, they use uh, AI scaling. So they take a, an existing pre-rendered background and they up-res it. And, and we're seeing uh, cool little signs in the back of item shops and uh, you know, this energy drink that seems to keep popping up everywhere throughout the, the different slums in the game. And uh, a lot of thought was put into this stuff that, um, yeah, I, I, I find really cool. Um, I, I love the cutscenes in the game, in, in the OG. There's I think there's like 104 different uh, cinematics, and, and that's a lot of what the, you know, the, the advertising for the game was based on. But Final Fantasy VII Remake for me is is where it's at. Like I, I, I can't get enough of that game. That those graphics are so good, especially Intermission. Like the Yuffie DLC and Integrate uh, on the PS5, it it runs so smooth. Um, and I know people are clocking this thing up at 120 frames per second on the super PCs they have built, and and that would be incredible. So I can't wait to see what Part Two has. Is there any other game you'd like to see get the Final Fantasy VII like graphic update, like a game from the past that you think is the classic that you think would benefit from having a um, graphic update? I think more Square games like um, you know Legend of Dragoon, Parasite Eve would be a really cool one to see, like fully realized in, in remake graphics. Yeah, just a lot of those PS One, PS One titles, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, mm. With with some some really nice polish on Resident it. Evil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Paris at Eve. I second that one hundred percent. That would be a great one to get this this sort of love. Really, it's a lot of the stuff from the PlayStation One. That that library had just had so many good games, and I mean, you've played them then in your head. They look a certain way when you when you remember them. Like, oh yeah, this looks really good. But if you play it now, you're like, oh, it does not look the way I remember it. It would be nice if they could match that up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, for my favorite game of all time is Ocarina of Time. So I would love to see like a more expansion. I, I've, I've probably done like what Dean's done to Final Fantasy VII, played it so many times where I've played that so many times where I know every nook and cranny is where I would love to just, if, even if they went into a little bit deeper, referring to it, I don't know, maybe Twilight Princess is kind of that, but it's not the same game. But I don't know, I, I would still like to see. That's, that's whenever Nintendo needs money, they can always pull that out of their, you know, Head of magic, but until yeah. until until Mario Kart Eight stops selling money, they don't have to. Um, so one of our other cartridge club polls for this month, we asked who was the best date. Who is the best date? And in this game, you can date one character in the game. You have multiple choices with Aerith, Tifa, Yuffie, or Barrett. Cartridge club selected Tifa with sixty six point seven percent. I wonder how much that has to do with remake. But Dean, you were you were helping me along the way. And it helped me set up Aerith for my date. 
is that who you choose all the time as well or uh no i like i've gone through the four of them and and they all have pretty good dialogue Aerith is uh, what i consider the canon uh date just because of what's revealed when you're when you're talking to her and, and the implications that has i prefer the tifa date the barrett one is just funny you don't actually get to do the play with barrett which which would have been amazing but he thinks you're you're just trying to get with marlene which is pretty risque to put in a, a game mm. and yeah, uh, she like seven uh six yeah yeah and um yeah just uh yeah some some funny stuff have you guys heard of of shipping do you, do you have ships in uh in yeah, like relationships yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ship yeah. So together. yeah. the shipping community in final fantasy 7 is huge and essentially what that is 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 promoting a relationship between two characters that either canonically or don't have a relationship and it is so divisive in the final fantasy 7 community between uh cloud and tifa which um uh, they're they're called cloudies uh cloud and Aerith, clarith cloud and jesse clessy uh cloud and barrett claret uh these people are so unhealthily uh, obsessed with uh with these cloud ships. And wedge. Kledge. Kledge, that'd be sweet. <laughs> so bad, though, that earlier this week, um, one of the more high-profile shippers out there uh, who, who prefers Klessy, uh, Cloud and Jesse, actually um, was was harassing uh, Nojima, uh, and who, who is writing Remake. Uh, and he says, please stop making cloud and tifa have such a strong relationship and bring back just anyway uh it, it got pretty like harassy and nojima has essentially stepped away now from twitter so he's not giving us any updates on on remake because this guy like sort of yeah gave gave a pretty shitty impression of western culture um to, to accurate. he gave it an accurate impression yeah yeah that, sure sure uh, and this is no GM. I mean, he he posts pictures of his guinea pigs. Like that's all he does. He, right. um, but once in a while, he'll let like something slip for for a remake just to get fans excited. And he's like, you know, I'm I'm worried that my posts um, might give the wrong impression for a remake. I don't want it to affect the project. And clearly, um, I'm upsetting some of you guys. So I'm just going to take a big step back. So this guy is like public enemy number one right now in uh, the Final Fantasy community. But it's a super toxic. But also really interesting uh, group of people that the, this whole shipping community that uh, I never realized was so big until remake came out. But there's people who swear by one date and only one date and don't even talk to me about these other dates. Very interesting. Yeah. You should probably examine your life if you're that upset about two <laughs> video game characters dating. Yeah, I mean, Jesse dies like right away in the, the, in the original game, right? Or was the, or I missed that, misread that part. No, you just life. leave them. Or they die. You just leave, <laughs> you just leave them. Yeah. Does she die, or am I wrong? Completely wrong. Yeah, no. In the OG, she dies. Yeah. Yeah. I was and saying, and so, in the remake, presumably she's dead. No, they're on a farm. <laughs> they're on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite music tracks in this game? So the the fight music is incredible. I still hum the my. I have an add-on in Warcraft that when I kill a boss, the the battle music, that the the victory music plays um, in Warcraft. But I mean, One Winged Angel is the best video game song of all time.
so <laughs> I mean I guess you could pick some lame theme song for a specific uh, love interest characters if you really wanted to but uh, yeah no it's Wayne Angel is yeah, I don't know anybody who would pick any song other than that as their favorite Lunatics man there's a lot of good music in this game ah I really want to say Eris's theme but I love the battle theme I'm going to go with Eris's theme I gotta do it Dean, what about yourself? Any favorite tracks from this game? Um, I mean, the music, I guess, is, is okay. It's kind of important, right? There's only a traveling orchestra for uh, for this game. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think Remake's music is probably the best use music. What's that? They don't just use the same music? Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's amazing. It is so ingrained into everything about that game um, that oh, propels the story. It's the best use of audio I think I've ever seen in a game, either that or Hellblade. But Dean, if you don't pick One Winged Angel for your favorite song, we're going to have a serious you know, talk. I, I think from the original, I, I would say One Winged Angel is, is okay. for sure my favorite. Right. Um, it was the only <laughs> track that was actually uh, CD quality audio. Right, yeah. all all the tracks in the game were all MIDI, right? They were all using the PlayStation sound sound chip, right? Twenty four channels instead of the eight that they had on the SNES, and that was Uematsu. He didn't like the loading times of pulling the sound off the the disc, which is why you could have uh, such seamless transitions. When you have the opening bombing mission, which is another one of my favorite tracks, I love that that uh, first part of the game where you mm -hmm. get off the train, and that song doesn't stop. There's no battle theme. There's no fanfare. There's no, uh, there's no anything. That that song plays directly through right till you get to the bottom of the reactor, and then the reactor or into the reactor, and then the reactor music starts playing.
I would say Cosmo Canyon is another really good one. And all of the like Seto theme and, and Red 13 theme, like all, all of those around that same motif. Um, but if you guys like, if I could like snap my fingers and learn one set of skills, it would be music theory. Because people online who listen to this track, who have no idea what the game's about, can listen to Tifa's theme and be like, oh, this sounds like it would be a theme song for uh, somebody who is very warm, very homey, who wants to do right by others, but is sort of questioning herself. And I'm just like, what? The f what? And, and the fact that you can like portray that type of emotion or that type of message just through music notes um, and, and for people to understand it without playing the game just blows my mind. So I love just watching music theory on these tracks and just seeing how much is told through through the sounds it plays cool uh i like the opening track uh, <laughs> it's a good song too man uh, it's, no there's there's a lot of there's a lot of you know tracks in here but like if i um i wish i had more time to dive deeper into it yeah um, just pick one winged angel it's the best track right well yeah i, I know <laughs> of one winged angel because i've heard it before it's in like pop you know video game culture kind of yeah you know? so it's because it's the best song yeah, so I'll, I'll say that one as well, Sean. I'll say that one as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like I, I just want to mention the music because, yeah, there is a traveling orchestra for, for this game. I can't think of a, well, besides Sneer, but this is another Square Enix game that actually has a traveling orchestra for their game. Nintendo does one for Zelda, but it covers the general wide span of the whole franchise. And then there's that, what is it, Video Games Live? Okay? Video Games Live, yeah. Hey, do you guys still do three-word three -word review on the show? We used to do them on the show when Mark and I were here, so I think it would be cool if we did them for this one. Maybe we can see if we have any. Let's just throw a quick deal and see if there's any three-word reviews. Well, we do. Actually, as a matter of fact, we do right here. Uh, oh, no way. Yeah. Very convenient. Um, do you want to take that first one there, Sean? Yeah, for sure. JJS Boyce, uh, at JJS Boyce, said, I played both this month, so we played the remake and the original. And he has two three-word reviews for us. The first one for Final Fantasy VII Original, he says, Myth-Making Masterpiece. And then for Final Fantasy VII Remake, he says, Remaking Final Fantasy VII Anew. I think he's taking some liberties using FF7 as a word. Um, but we'll give it to him. We, we allow that here. Yeah. Dean, you want to take the next one? Sure. This is from Bogus Meat Factory, who uh, actually streamed his playthrough live on his Twitch channel. And he said, big, bold scenarios. My guy, Jeremy Three, my guy, Jeremy Three, right here. And it's uh, remember, save often. And yeah. I believe that's because he was playing the game and he wasn't saving very often. And did he, this file get corrupted, if I remember correctly? Or did yeah, he, he lost it? his save file. He uh, he was near the end and something happened and he hadn't saved it in a very long time. And I think he, he set it down. He's, I think he's done because there was a, uh, you get to that point too that happens right like if you don't have to not save them regularly you just you think to yourself oh man i don't know if i can put in you know x number of hours again especially for such a story driven game where you're basically just playing through story beats uh, next up we have canadian retro uh his uh three word review at canadian underscore retro is not done yet now that could be i mean that has two meanings right either he's still playing through the game and he's not finished yet or he's talking about the final Fantasy seven remake not being complete yet because there's mm -hmm. only one of the three games out this is from uh, Tesseract Unfold, uh, Eric. He says, unforgettable, melancholy music. Music yeah. is, is pretty amazing. 
Uh, I like this last one right here. From All Cats Are Beautiful, a.k.a. at the Bubbles 949. So much grimy. So I'm guessing they played the uh, the original. Is the um, remake uh, more streamlined? Is there less grinding involved? There's no grinding in the remake. Oh, really? Uh, I might have to drop the 100 and get that. There's actually two more, though, Ryan. It's That's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Uh, from the Discord, we have Stumptown Retro, who said uh, convoluted but fun. Yeah, we and, have uh, Latino Lawyer, Diego. Yeah. He says, fun cloud gaming. He must be saving it digitally. Uh, <laughs> or, or playing in on the, the phone. Yeah. In the cloud. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sean, why don't you give me your overall thoughts on Final Fantasy VII? Uh, it's a masterpiece. When it came out, it revolutionized JRPGs. It revolutionized the idea of games as an experience, like a cinematic experience. I think I, I can't personally think of anything that came before that that made you feel like you were immersed in a movie, like Final Fantasy VII did. Um, and it captured the hearts and minds of gamers for for decades, right? I mean, look at Dean, first ninety seven, so he first played it when he was four. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he's been playing it ever since to the point that, uh, psychopaths are harassing game devs online. Like it's just, it's an amazing game. And, it, uh, it really helped to launch that franchise into the next generation of, uh, game consoles. It's, it's an incredible game. And I'm really glad that, uh, I played it as a kid and that, that there, that it still exists. That it's still out there. You know what I mean? It's, it's just something that everybody, uh, is always able to talk about. It's. It bridges that gap. So, yeah. All right. Um, my final thoughts, my overall thoughts of Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Uh, I love it. You know, it's it, it changed my life in gaming, outside of gaming. It's got story beats that capture, you know, a lot of grown-up element, elements, especially when I was a kid that I couldn't wrap my head around at the time. I think, wasn't it Sakaguchi's mother died, I think, during development, which, which yeah. gratefully influenced what happened with Eris, like all this stuff, really, you could feel that pain through this game, which sounds terrible, but it makes the game so much more engrossing. And, and I love it from the start of the vision. I love the materia system. I love the uh, the summons. You mentioned summons. We had summons before, which were all cool, and they were super cool seeing the sprites in six and four, but seeing the cinematics for the summons was amazing. Every time you got a new one, you're like, I got to see what this looks like in battle. You got to try it out. Collecting the Bahamas was amazing. Anyway, yeah, I love it. I I I, I feel like Sephiroth gets kind of uh, what Sephiroth burned down a village, right? That that's his that's his crime. That's what he did. Um, Big whoop, which is terrible. It sucks. Yeah, but Genova doesn't get enough credit. I think uh, she's really the ultimate baddie, or or, or he, whichever, whatever th that entity is, the ultimate baddie. Um, Sephiroth gets a lot of cred for it though. But Sephiroth is so much cooler, I find, in things outside of the original game. Um, but he was always super cool looking no matter what. Uh, so he's a cool baddie. I still think Kefka's, you know, a little uh, little badder, but it is what it is. Um, in terms of characters, uh, I love Cloud's arc, um, which is kind of mixed up and weird. Um, uh, I love the uh, Barrett's background story and how what would led him to join Avalanche. Vincent's background story, Sid's background story. There's a huge arc around his past life and what led him to be where he is. The decisions that he had to make to make that happen. Um, ah, anyway, so many good things. Can't recommend it enough. If you can play a Final Fantasy VII, please do. 
if you have any questions, ask Dean. He knows it all. And uh, and yeah, that's it. Dean, what are your overall final thoughts? Um, I mean, there's 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 so much that could be said about this game, and and I could honestly talk for days. But um, I would just say, if you haven't tried it yet, give it a shot, either through remake or through one of these modern console. Uh, downloads. There's a lot of quality life uh, improvements with three times speed, with auto heal. Um, you can get through the game uh, very quickly um, and, and not have to worry about grinding and some of the other tropes of 90s RPGs. I would say if you're interested in the story, keep asking questions, keep digging. Um, if you want to learn more about some of the influences of the game, um, I would suggest learning uh, some stuff around Norse mythology, Greek mythology, um, you know, Kabbalah. A lot of influences from the overall story are taken from these, and a lot of uh, the way the story plays out um, is is really through these different mythologies and religions that uh, are really, really cool once you draw the parallels. Um, I would say don't just stop at the original Final Fantasy VII game. Continue on to watch uh, the Advent Children movie, to play a lot of the compilation, to make that even easier. Later on this year, we're getting something called Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, which is uh, before Crisis, Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII, Dirge of Cerberus, Advent Children, the entire compilation of Final Fantasy VII media, aside from the books, in a single game uh, on mobile devices um, with uh, entirely renewed graphics and a much more streamlined way to play, very episodic, but takes the entire storyline into account. Uh, and it uses uh, the same sort of battle models or, or better field models than than the original one uses. So what definitely was that check out Ever Crisis. Cool. Uh, so it's good, right? It's oh, it's oh yeah. Sorry if I didn't say that. It is it is incredible. It's my perfect game, and yeah. Please, if you guys have any questions about the game, any of you listeners, or things you're not sure about, or anything, just yeah, reach out. I, I love talking about it. I think you've told me this before, but did you say has your opinion changed on this one question here? Do you like remake better than the original? I think you told me one time you're like, hey, this game actually might have topped the original, and I didn't think it was possible. I think as it stands right now, if it keeps up the momentum and the quality that Remake does for the, the rest of the game, then it will be my favorite game of all time, collectively as a game. There's a lot of different directions that Part 2, Part 3, and beyond can go, and that may change. FF7 is is always going to be top tier for me. But if, if Remake does the same thing it did for the first one for, for the rest of them, then it will no doubt be the best thing that anybody has ever put out. Yeah, for me, I I, I think it's a very important game. I had a, I'm having a great time as I work my way through Remake. I am excited to see where this goes forward. Because like I said I'm loving all the little extra attention to the details. The game is beautiful, and like I said I'm very grateful to have Dean there to be my guide through this game, basically. Because I think I've enjoyed it more having Dean there, handhold me, walk me through. Because I'm like well, answering my questions, 
stuff that might have skipped past me because I might have just missed this area. There's things you can miss in the game that explain the story. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a great game. It's very important to video game history. Uh, like I said, as someone who was an N64 fan, this was that um, game that I know sold a lot of PlayStations. I remember that that was a huge, huge year. I remember a bunch of kids in grade school got a bunch of PlayStation ones the year this game came out because of that game. With <laughs> that being said, that's the show, everybody. I like to give a shout out to all my guests. Or thanks for helping on being here. Sean, uh, can you tell us where you can find you and Mark? Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cartridge Bros. You can find Mark on Twitter at Cartridge Bros P2. Um, that's basically the only spot we are online. Um, yeah, and uh, that's it. Thanks for having us here, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Uh, it was great to be on for episode 100. Uh, kind of a big deal, I guess. And uh, it's uh, it's been awesome to see the club thriving uh, for the last two plus years, three years now. Um, yeah, you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. You have to have the founding fathers of the cartridge club on for episode 100. I mean, you don't have to, but we're pushy, so. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being here. It was very important to have you and Mark both here for, for at least for me, for uh, for being here. So I appreciate you helping out for this episode. Yeah, uh, I'm really starting to think you should have got more serious though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you um, could have just you could have just let them go at each other. <laughs> there's, there's other Final Fantasy games you can probably pull them in for. So yeah. So, Dean, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at round underscore two underscore gaming and really anywhere the cartridge club is. I've uh, recently uh, joined the Shinra archaeology department uh, doing some uh, translations and graphics for uh, a lot of Final Fantasy VII material that never was localized. And we're, we're learning a lot of really, really cool stuff. So if you're interested in Final Fantasy VII more, uh, follow the account around underscore two underscore gaming. I'm putting out daily posts of pages from uh, these Japanese uh, books and documents that, that were never translated uh, that have a really, really skilled, meticulous team of translators behind it. And uh, really excited to, to see what's what's getting uncovered. Um, and yeah, join the Cartridge Club Discord, play the games of the month. Thank you so much for having me. This is my favorite game of all time. I asked for this game for uh, October 2013, and they chose Silent Hill 2 instead. <laughs> and uh, here we are, you know, a decade later, finally doing it. So, thanks. <laughs> Did you suggest this in 2013? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's got to be a horror game. Silent yeah. Hill 2. Okay. It had to be a horror game. Then November. Nope. <laughs> um. Well, you just for, just for, don't forget, Dean. You also suggested it for a Patreon, and I—that's the one I denied you on. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I suggested for the it for Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, and I was like, that's nope, a... Dean, don't don't you dare put this game in there because I don't want this to win the vote. So yeah. I, I just spilled the beans, Paul, because we knew we were targeting this game to be episode 100. We knew when we saw 100 in the window, we're like, let's creep. Because I think it was even when we had the Patreon for whatever season eight or something like that, where or season yeah. seven, I was just like, I hope no one selects seven. So yeah. Yeah, we were like, we saw 100 in the distance. We we're like, that's what we want. And um, when Dean, I remember you said something like, it's a hard decision, but I'm putting my favorite game, my favorite game of all time. I'm like, nope, don't you dare. <laughs> so I would go back and tell him to come back with something else. So um, pick a new favorite game, Dean. Pick a new favorite game, Dean. <laughs> I'd like to reiterate, January's game of the month will be the Revenge of Shinobi. If you're playing along or just want to discuss the game with us, make sure to let us know by using the hashtag Cartridge Club on whatever social media platform you frequent. 
For the month of February, the Cartridge Club is playing Portal 2. For those of you who want to get a head start on March's game of the month, March Madness is returning, where we'll be playing the Castlevania Advanced Collection. If you're ever interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to us. We're always looking forward to having new community members on to talk about the games they love. To those of you interested in supporting the club, be on a review on the podcast app of your choice. I'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from our members of our community. We are extremely grateful to those supporters, and if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look at how you can do that at patreon.com forward slash cartridge club. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram with the handle it's rocket sauce. But that's the show, everyone. We look forward to hearing from you next month. CC Unite.